From LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of LPL Market Signals. Jeff Bookbinder here, equity strategist, LPL Financial. Pleased to be joined by Jeffrey Roach, our chief economist. It is a special edition of LPL Market Signals because we are recording live in Fort Mill, South Carolina, at the LPL offices. And um, you know, so you're seeing a little bit of a different backdrop uh, here just outside Charlotte. Jeff, it's great to be with you. Excited to be in the office and seeing uh, you know, a lot more people uh, than I typically see in the smaller Boston office. Well, it's great to be in person uh, around the same table, uh, not just looking at you through my computer screen. So great to be here. It's great to know that I am a real person. Uh, after a lot of Zooms. So um, let's uh, get right to it here. We've got a great agenda for you. We're recording this on uh, January 31st, 2023, uh, Tuesday morning. The um, As we always do, we'll start with just a recap of last week's market action. Certainly had some very interesting economic data last week, kind of a prelude to a big week this week. Uh, we will talk about the January trifecta. I'll explain what that is in a little bit, but it's actually a really nice bullish development for stocks. Uh, we've got some comments on earnings season, and then um, we'll preview the week. Talk about the Fed, of course. Uh, that is the probably the biggest news of the week, but there's some key data that Jeff will walk through. So let's get right to it, Jeff. Um, first, last week's key themes. We, um, you know, we got more evidence of falling inflation. Certainly, past peak with the PCE data which we'll talk about. We got the GDP report, which the headline was good. The internals maybe not quite as good. Uh, so you'll provide some color uh, to our uh, listeners and viewers on that. And then the earnings season. Earnings has been lackluster, but it's probably about what people expected. And so it hasn't gotten in the way of at least a little bit of a bounce uh, in, in stocks. Um, you know, turning to just what worked and what didn't, Last week, I mean, what certainly jumps out is S&P was up 2.5%. Uh, certainly, we gave back a little bit on Monday, but um, very good week. NASDAQ did, did even better, up 4.3% uh, for the week, and then internationally even stronger. So uh, I think, Jeff, that's probably the first takeaway I would have when looking at all of these returns for last week is strong week for international. Yeah, I, I just add, you know, as we've talked and you hinted about it, about the whole peak inflation narrative. We're past peak. We saw this in the U.S. really since the end of the summer, uh, beginning of the fall season. And it just took a little bit <clears throat> more time for uh, European markets to to observe that inflation was past peak there. And so, you know, when I look at this, this number for EFA, for example, really the last month uh, in emerging markets for that matter, both were doing quite well. And I think in part because of uh, an in improvement in sentiment, improvement in uh, an interest for investors to put on a little more risk at the table because they're start starting to see some of the easing in inflation uh, over there, like we've seen eased inflation over here in this country. Yeah, that it wasn't so much last week. You're right. The, the last month, European economy really uh, much more resilient uh, than than most thought. So uh, that certainly uh, stands out here when you look at recent performance. Uh, if you turn, you know, tech Nasdaq was a big winner last week. Uh, the growth sectors, tech, and sort of related um, tech have um, had a really strong start to the year. I think the theme there you want to pull out is the winners from last year have been the losers. For this year and vice versa. 
So certainly the question for investors is how long will that continue? We actually don't think that run has much longer to go. So therefore we are still leaning toward the value sectors uh, over growth. Certainly this week of earnings season will be key with all the big tech names uh, to determine whether that growth run we've seen this so far this year can uh, can continue. So um, let's move on to fixed income and commodities. So, um, you know, we've talked about this certainly with Lawrence Gillum on fixed income. When you have higher yields and then yields fall, you get, you know, you, you juice your bond returns, right? So um, over the last month, the broad bond market's up 3%. That's a really good month for bonds. So you started from a higher yield because rates rose. That was painful as it was happening, but, you know, boost your returns once you start falling again. Um, all these bond returns, really, really good start to the year for bonds. And, and uh, you know, they're doing what investors need them to do, you know, not just providing defense, but giving you some income. Yeah, one of the things um, I've been talking about is I've been out with clients a lot uh, the last several weeks, you know, talking about uh, the, the bigger story that bonds will be like bonds again. I, I think uh, Lawrence has highlighted that in some of our uh, blogs and weekly market commentaries that you see on our LPL research as well as LPL.com sites. Um, and we think 2023 uh, bonds will, will act and, and do what we normally expect them to do. Uh, you know, if you look at that other matrix we have on this slide, uh, one of the things I'd call out is just the energy in, index. And uh, I think that's that's possible uh, to see a little bit of reversion here, but I think the big picture again is, um, you know, we had a cooler uh, or less intense winter in Europe, so a little bit less demand in energy. Uh, nat gas uh, demand was a little bit soft uh, in the European markets. And then, of course, uh, a little bit of unknown about what the global economy will look like throughout 2023, and just a little bit softer demand. Hence, we see that uh, showing up in the price action for the energy sectors. Yeah, the energy sector has you know, had a little bit of a slower start to this year. I mean, you can't expect 50, 60% gains every year, uh, certainly. Uh, so certainly that that weaker natural gas performance is, is a big part of the challenge for um, uh, for the energy sector. So thanks for pointing that out, Jeff. Uh, let, let's take a quick look at the S&P 500 here, um, and, and then we'll get into the, the meat of the discussion. I think, you know, this S&P 500 chart is really interesting because, you know, as our technical strategist, Adam Turnquist points out, you've got a break back above the 200-day moving average, uh, certainly a positive technical milestone. Um, and, uh, you know, we're kind of in that range, I guess. 4,100 is within striking distance. So if if the market can get above that 4,100, we would see that as a very positive sign. And then you could talk about maybe a move uh, up to, um, uh, you know, as high as 4,300, 4,350. Uh, so chart, you know, we've had some chart progress. Uh, so we still in LPA Research are positive on on stocks relative to bonds, but certainly have a little more work to do <clears throat> to break through some, to some of those, uh, you know, higher technical levels. So let, let's move on and talk about the economic data, Jeff. <clears throat> the PCE inflation data, the PCE deflator, you know, I, I think was the most important economic data point last week, more so than GDP. Yeah, that's right. You know, so we had a, a pretty uh, interesting week last week from GDP numbers on Thursday last week and then inflation numbers on Friday. And I think that did build the case for as as we want to tie in the previous chart to this chart with inflation, talking about you know, we're getting higher highs and we're getting higher lows. 
<laughs> and so that's kind of that definition of an uptrend. And I think, you know, in this case, you know, I'm showing actually both metrics of inflation, the CPI metric, which often gets more headline press, possibly not uh, the best metric, as the Fed likes to say, their preferred metric is not CPI. That's the fixed basket of goods is tracked over time. What about in real time tracking what consumers are actually doing uh, as relative price changes uh, rotate from, from one to the other? And I think the bottom line is, you know, we're past peak. And on top of that, you can say, all right, we can build the case that by December 2023, we might see the deflator with a three handle in that 3.2% range year on year. And I think that is giving a lot more confidence for investors to put a little bit more uh, risk appetite in their portfolios. And it also, I think, helps the Fed think about, well, if rates are above core deflator rates, in essence, we finally moved into restrictive monetary policy. And then that might be a nice little teaser for something we're going to talk about in a little bit in this podcast on on Fed policy. Yeah, if, if you take nothing away from what we say here, I think that's probably the most important point. <clears throat> the Fed will be above the core PCE deflator after this rate. Right? That's, that's right. That's right. Really important point. That's restrictive. And then as the economy weakens further, they're going to have to think really hard about whether they want to hike again, at least after March, which is likely uh, to follow a rate hike here in, in February. So, um, you know, you, you have a chart here, Jeff, about uh, tightening financial conditions. This is why, and this is kind of the other side of the argument, the Fed has to be careful, right? If they tighten financial conditions too much, of course, they drive us into recession. Uh, but if they pause too early and drive market prices higher, you have easing financial conditions, and that can be inflationary. And then you're back to this stop and go, you know, policy, uh, monetary policy that was a problem in, 19, in the 1970s. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. So um, how does the Fed balance this this challenge with fighter with, with tighter financial conditions? Yeah. So just it, in, in some past peak, we're going in the right direction. And you might want to say, well, why the, the, the so what and the why and how did this happen? Well, part of it is driven by what's explained in this chart. Think about last year. A lot of inflation was driven by supply constraint problems, hence that blue line, supply-driven contribution to inflation was the major factor for the last really 18 months. Well, if you think about the latter half of 21 and, and most of 2022, and this chart basically shows that in more recent months, that's flipped, that inflation has been mostly driven by demand contributions. That's the orange line. That's exactly where we wanted things to go because the Fed has no power in their toolbox to address supply constraints. They do, however, can, as they tighten conditions, have an impact on aggregate demand and the, and the, and the demand-driven side of inflation. So I think you take this together and it kind of builds the case, I think investors are right, to basically look at the market and say, yes, inflation's still elevated, higher than that 2% target, but we're going in the right direction and we're going in the right direction because the Fed can actually do something about it <laughs> because it's a demand-driven problem. The Fed can do something with those those sets of uh, conditions. You know, th the Fed threading this needle was hard before, but it's it's not getting any easier, <laughs> right, to, um, you know, to balance all these uh, on both sides of the equation. 
<clears throat> so you've Jeff, you've created this heat map, which I think is really interesting to show uh, the progress on inflation across some different measures. And there are a lot of different ways to measure inflation. Yeah, and I think this helps advisors and, and our, our listeners try to process what's happening in, in your kind of mainstream financial news networks. Uh, what What is happening? Well, if you read left to right, we're getting green, except in that lagging category that uh, is is frustrating, and that's in the rents component. And that's that's kind of the the bottom line from this heat map. The the takeaway is there are sticky components, not only sticky, but there are lagged components where everything else is improving, and it seems like rents are getting worse. I'll just put one note of caution. This is heavily influenced by existing rents. We know from the data that new rent prices have actually fallen too. And I think that's kind of the key and a little bit of, maybe this is a little bit of a distracting uh, component on inflation right now. Um, the new rents component clearly easing the last several months. Uh, so this heat map will uh, eventually get a little more green uh, as we move throughout 2023. Yeah, hopefully the Fed can focus on more of the real time and almost forward looking um, reads on not just rents, but inflation in general. And they'll see that maybe, a, you know, being aggressive beyond March is, is too much. So that, that's a really interesting way to look at inflation. And, um, you know, you can get a three handle on core PCE by the end of the year. The market's going to, I would think, have a pretty positive view of how 2024 might look as, we, right. get, as we get to the end of 2023. So let, let's go to GDP, Jeff. This is a really interesting report. And, you know, a lot of people probably just saw the headline and thought, wow, that's great. This economy is doing really well. But, you know, it's doing okay now. But, you know, when you break apart the pieces here, um, you know, it's not it's not quite as strong of a of a signal, is it? Yeah, that's right. And, and you, the reason why it, this is helpful to kind of break out these contributions to growth is you look at that gray uh, component, the change in inventories added a fair amount to the headline number for Q4. That's never a, a good thing uh, in terms of the drivers of an economy, inventories are never going to be your category that gets you excited about growth. I think the way to think about that is we're, we're moving toward, um, you know, continued softness in the economy. And the 2023 narrative between that softish landing and recession that potentially could be fairly short and shallow, I think we're setting things up. I think pretty nicely, Jeff, to think through that 2023, a little more volatility, probably the first half of this year, expect a little more volatility, but things might be setting up pretty nicely for the latter half of 2023, where a uh, little less volatility, a little more stability, a little more convincing data on uh, growth from a macro standpoint. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about earnings quickly in a bit, but I think that's a story around earnings too, where you'll have this really lackluster first half and then toward the end of the year maybe you get a little bit more growth maybe the market's more comfortable with the inflation it sees uh, and you could have a little bit of a rebound in earnings and you could have a positive market reaction to that you know coming out of the out of the trough so um, maybe the economy earnings and stocks all follow a better path in in the second half of the year um, forget about the second half of the year we could have a really good year all of it if we follow this January trifecta pattern that technicians, uh, Adam Turnquist included, are, are talking about, this is really 
uh, powerful stuff. If you look at the years where we had a Santa Claus rally like we did this year, that's the last five days of December and the first two days of January, those seven trading days being up, which they were, then you start January with five with a positive first five days, which we did. And then you have a January, an up January, which which we will, barring an epic collapse today, right? Because we're up four and a half percent coming into today for the month. So we're gonna have a positive January. When all three of those things are positive, on average, you have a 17% gain for the year, and you're up 90% of the time, right? I'll take those numbers any day of the week. So obviously, we, we don't know for sure if we're going to get those returns, but um, this is setting up for a really strong year. And then we've also seen studies, we didn't do this ourselves, but if you have a down year before these indicators turn positive, the average gains are well over 20%. So... We always say it, history doesn't repeat, but it rhymes. This is a very bullish uh, technical setup. We also looked at monthly returns in years where you have this trifecta, and uh, the gains are steady. So on average, you're up you know, every month uh, of, of the year historically. This is dated back to 1950, uh, whereas if you don't have this trifecta, this it's essentially just saying you have a strong start to the year, uh, you, um, you, know, you see five months there on average you're down you have seasonal weakness selling may go away and all of that so um so technically from this perspective we're set up uh for solid gains but of course the fed's going to have something to say about whether we actually get the the solid year that the trifecta would tell you we're going to get uh so jeff i'll turn it to you as one of our uh, key fed watchers on the team um you know are they going to kind of spoil the party because the market and the fed are seeing a different path for rates. Yeah, that's right. And and just uh, maybe just a, a quick little uh, teaser for our LPL.com um, newsroom weekly market commentary uh, component. So all this great uh, data, charts, commentary that Jeff just highlighted on the Trifecta Santa Claus rally and what it looks like beginning of January and then what it might look like for the end of this year for equities. It's, it's helpful for those that want to continue to chew on this for a little bit more and uh, think through this. That was the, um, the weekly market commentary topic uh, for, for this week. So Thank if you, you want that. more, uh, go to uh, the LPL.com uh, newsroom. So Shout yeah, out to Adam Turnquist on that that's, one. That's right. That's great, right. So, great work uh, that he did uh, putting all that together. So it, there is this tug of war. As, as you kind of teed up for me here, um, it, the tug of war, I think, between uh, expectations from investors and traders and the tug of war with policymakers. So we do know uh, from the latest uh, press conference that the open market committee members have said, hey, we're going to plan to hike next couple of meetings, then we're going to hold steady for the rest of 2023, the market is not buying what the Fed's selling. And I think the market is right. And I think the reason why is um, there's, there's a little bit of that caution, I think, that the Fed wants to have in order to uh, manage expectations, maybe talk a little bit tougher than they might say, because as you mentioned earlier, Jeff, in, the, in this podcast, that if there's too much of that expectation that things will ease up again, they're going to lose all the, the work that they did, you know, last year with keeping financial conditions tight. So I think the big story is we know the data is slowing. 
We know the consumer starting to retrench. And so as the economy kind of enters this year with unsure footing, potentially outright contracting, we're starting to see that in a lot of the survey data, the Fed will focus and kind of re, uh, re-energize their other part of their, that mandate, which is the growth mandate. Price stability, full employment or stable growth, and we know that that's going to be um, you know, a refocus for the latter half of the year. So the market's expecting cuts as of as 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 quickly as July. I think that's possible, uh, but again, that has to kind of be in uh, in conjunction with seeing the weaker economic data. So I think I think the market's right. The Fed's wrong in this case. Yeah, you you follow the Fed much more closely uh, than I do, but it se- it seems to me that. Um, you know, the market is saying, you know, we could have a recession, but yet the Fed could stay higher for longer. And those two things conflict, right? So, of course, we don't know if we're going to have a recession yet, but the Fed um, uh, will respond if we do have actual contraction um, by the Fed's measures in, you know, the middle part of this year. So it'll be interesting to watch. I'll take the market in that bet, and um, but it'll take a little bit of time for us to see kind of who's right. Uh, so let's turn to earnings just really quickly. I mean, just a barrage. We, you know, we get all these big tech names. Uh, earnings season has been disappointing so far. There's just no, no way around that. Um, we've actually missed earnings targets by a full percentage point so far, uh, which is extremely rare. But I don't think we've, I mean, technically, I don't think we've missed a, an earnings season by that much uh, since the financial crisis. So because uh, typically estimates come down enough to be, uh, exceeded. And we may still get there, but no doubt this has been disappointing. But what's interesting is that the market's gone up anyway, right, Jeff? I mean, you know, it's almost like um, the better than feared narrative, right? Expectations got so low uh, that even bad news was well received, right? There was so much bearishness coming in to the year. So, you know, these these numbers aren't great, you know, missing on earnings, seeing estimates come down for 2023, probably a little faster than I had expected, but we're still at 225 in S&P 500 consensus earnings for, for 2023, uh, down from about 230 when earnings season began. Uh, maybe we go down a little bit more, but a lot of those cuts have already occurred. And, uh, you know, maybe the market is kind of seeing the other side, right, of this, um, uh, we'll call it malaise. And, uh, you know, the reaction hasn't been, hasn't been too bad. So, um, I think that's probably, a, I'll, I'll just leave that there um, and we'll we'll just, you know, watch the Apples and the Amazons and the, the Metas, uh, Google, you know, just a huge number of big names. We've already had some big names this week too and, you know, they're hanging in there, uh, but, um, you know, clearly it's a tough environment. Uh, so don't look for earnings season to be much of a catalyst in the near term. I think that's the most important takeaway, but we also don't see a collapse in 2023 like many anticipate. So, Jeff, let's go to uh, the key events for the week here. Um, you know, obviously the Fed, we kind of covered that a little bit already. But we also have um, ISM data. We have payrolls. Uh, what What are you watching this week that you think could be could be market moving where maybe the market gets a little bit surprised? Yeah, I think it's helpful, you know, for all the viewers uh, that, that are here. Here we are recording again on, a, on Tuesday morning. One of the big things I think we need to be prepared for is on Friday, we'll get the January payroll estimates. And the markets have have been a little bit, uh, you know, under the luxury of fairly stable non-farm 
payroll reports. So, you know, for those of us that have been in the business for a while, remember and, uh, and, and should always remind ourselves that the payroll, monthly payroll reports can be highly volatile. You think about uh, you know the details of the report, and you know the uh, the range can be you know plus or minus a couple hundred thousand, right? Where the, you know, you look at the statistical ranges, uh, and so you want to remember, you know, we've been under the luxury of you know just regular two hundred plus gains over you know the recent months, and even farther back, we've had some some really strong reports. We should, I guess, rem- bottom line remind ourselves this can be choppy. Uh, I don't expect, you know, a, a negative number for Friday, but in terms of just remembering those those expectations, this can be very choppy and it's helpful to always look at these things with a three-month average and perhaps even a six-month average when you when you look at these month to month because there's some, there's some uh, volatility as well as heavy revisions particularly during these times in the cycle where we're coming from, you know, the reopening phase uh, to, you know, this slowdown phase in this year. So revisions uh, will eventually be um, very important to watch. But overall, if you look at just the job data, uh, it's been a soft landing and it's been still a very solid job market. So taken in conjunction tomorrow, uh, we'll hear from the Fed chair, take that those comments along with the Friday morning payroll report, and that's going to be very important for building expectations for the rest of this year. The market, the labor market is still very tight. We're starting to see a little less churn, a little less uh, tightness, and actually a little bit of easing in average hourly earnings. So that's going to be key uh, for for these uh, these upcoming reports. So is bad news still good news? Yeah, the bad news, good news. I think if we can see convincing data that uh, we're not going to have a wage price spiral, inflation is coming off, uh, weak numbers, but not too weak, will be what the market wants. The market will want to see, a, you know, 175,000, maybe even a 150K uh, gain in January. That'll be good news. Be very interesting to watch. So, we'll, you know, turning back to the Fed, we'll get 25 basis points, and then we'll probably get another 25. And then we think that's where you get the pause. But, of course, that won't be evident to the market for at least a couple more months. Uh, we, will, uh, we will have to see. But uh, that, that, we think, will be a catalyst. The Fed pause, maybe not a pivot to a cut, but the Fed pause, uh, we think, will, will give stocks a little bit of a boost. And um, maybe that's a little bit of why we've seen this rally so far this year, too. Even It hasn't been a huge rally, but certainly market looking ahead to um, a, an easier Fed uh, in the not too distant future. So um, let's wrap up by you know just highlight these big name earnings reports. I mean, it's it's dizzying, frankly, how many big names report this week. We talked about mega cap tech uh, coming, and then you've got some big energy names. You've got uh, some big healthcare names, industrial names. So it's it's just going to be a whirlwind. I think after this week, we'll have a really good handle of what the near term earnings outlook is. So. Uh, We'll certainly report back on what it looks like next week. Uh, so, um, you know, I don't think there's any other data here, Jeff, this week to really highlight. So let's just let's just end it there. Uh, thanks, everybody, for, for watching. Great to be with you, Jeff, in person. In person. Live uh, for Market Signals. Hopefully we can do this more often. I don't know. I'll rack up some frequent flyer miles. But um, we'll, we'll see when we can do this again because this is a lot more fun than uh, just looking at the 
the, the Zoom screen. So we'll be back with you next week. Um, looking forward to seeing all of you there. Thanks, Jeff. Take Thanks, care. everybody. This material was provided by LPL Financial, is for general information only, and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarding the corresponding market index. All indexes are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and broker-dealer member FINRA and SIPC insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliates. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered investment advisor that is not an LPL affiliate, please note LPL makes no representation with respect to such entity. If your financial professional is located at a bank or credit union, please note that the bank or credit union is not registered as a broker-dealer or investment advisor. These products and services are being offered through LPL or its affiliates, which are separate entities from and not affiliates of the bank or credit union. Securities insurance offered through LPL or its affiliates are not insured by the FDIC or NCUA or any government agency, not bank or credit union guaranteed, not bank or credit union deposit or obligations, and may lose value.